Well, good morning. Welcome to Grace. I am Pastor Ryan. Are you free? Seems like a silly question on this, the week of our country's independence from tyranny to freedom, but the answer to the question is one which highlights a key truth that's often overlooked in our contemporary society, namely that everyone is a slave to someone. As Jesus has come into the world to free us from bondage to slavery to sin, we're going to examine this subject of true freedom as we look into Paul's letter to the Romans to see that our freedom from sin has actually purchased for us a new slavery to God. The question is, who are you actually serving? Thanks for listening today. With all the heat we've had lately, uh, there's one place where you can go to find relief, and that is Sawyer Lake, right? That's headed out to the water. And so uh, this past week with my, uh, my sister and her husband up with their two little girls, uh, we went over to uh, Yana Underwood's place and spent some time in the water. Now, uh, Haley is a good friend of my sister. She was there, and uh, she has these nifty little squirt guns uh, that are tubes, really. You just you pull the water up, and then you point them at Dad's head, and you squirt them. That's what ends up happening. And the two little girls here are uh, Finley and Sadie, and there was a green squirter, and there was a pink Squirter. Now, now, which do you suppose those two little girls wanted? The, the green one or the pink one? That's right. They want, and here's just a little picture of it sitting right there. You, you can see it sitting on the side. And we, uh, we found that these two little girls, they didn't really want to share with each other. Now, I never had that problem when I was young with my sister. I never had that problem. I don't know where they inherited it from. Probably you have to speak to my wife, Emily. <laughs> it's not true. But uh, we, we would encourage Sadie, uh, you need to share and she was fine to share everything else except that pink squirter. That was the one thing that she did not want to let go of. And you know what? It wasn't even hers. She got that as a gift, right? And here we, as those who are in charge, would give her the command, Now, Sadie, you need to share. And do you think she did? No! Everything else was fine, but not this one thing that she really wanted for herself. She wanted to control it. She didn't want to obey, even though it really wasn't hers to begin with. And I look at that and I just see this, this innocent example of the way in which every one of us has things in our lives that remain under our desire to keep for ourselves. When God wants us to give it all up to Him. There's nothing in your life that you are permitted as a follower of Jesus Christ to say, God, I, I love you this far, but not that you can take you can take all these things lord but you, you can't take this one thing I, I want to keep this for myself and it follows under a an error of our understanding of what it means to obey that's it right there here say that word with me obey ready obey that's it that, that's the foundation of it when we fail to know what it means to obey god you and i will have areas of our life that we will want to retain for ourselves that we will not want to give up to him, even if he commands it. And the, the amazing thing that I found is that this is true even so far as that which we don't own. I gave some thought to this, and it seems like in the scope of human existence, you and I get too familiar with ourselves. You think that you're in charge. I think that I'm in charge. I think that this body of mine is mine. Do you know it's not? 
The Bible says that you have been purchased. The receipt on the purchase statement for your life, your body, your mind, your soul, all that you are, reads the blood of Jesus Christ. So who do you belong to? Come on, say it loud. Who do you belong to? You belong to Jesus. Except we grow up in a world where we're taught, have it your way. And, and, and whatever you can be, that's what uh, you could chase after. And, and climb the corporate ladder and, and get yours while you can. And the world around us has saturated our thinking such that we don't think properly about ourselves. And because of that, we, we live um, having uh, a failure to reach all that God has in plan for us. By keeping things for ourselves. This is a major problem. And I find that it's one that is uh, exacerbated in the culture that we live. Uh, No other country on earth is one where freedom is not celebrated more than America. Amen? America. Guns and beer, right? That wasn't in my sermon notes either. Look here, only in America can you find freedom to make something like this. This is a donut cheeseburger. Nowhere else on earth would this be created except in America. Although I believe, and if you pay close attention, I think it highlights for us kind of the main problem with what freedom has done in our world. Because here's the thing, are you free to eat that, yes or no? Yes. Are you free from the consequences of eating that? No. No, but that's never taught. When was the last time the consequences were on the commercial? (laughs) They're not. And and, and this is the problem of living in a country that embraces freedom so much that what we forget is that there are actually boundaries around freedom. For if you don't put boundaries around freedom, you get anarchy. Anarchy. That's You're free to do whatever you want to do. And there is no law. It's just anarchy where you have freedom without law. And, and, and the opposite uh, side of that road is a ditch as well, with, which is if you only have law and no freedom, this is called tyranny, which is what the devil wants to hold us enslaved to. Actually, on both sides. He'd like it if you were anywhere but the center of the road, understanding true freedom. And this being our week celebrating our, our country's uh, birthday, um, I, I want us to pay attention to what true freedom is. Because the problem in our world is that we have thrown off the concept of authority. Right? I mean, I, ho- hopefully you can remember your uh, uh, history classes, right? King George and the Boston Tea Party. Remember all that business, right? Uh, uh, America is for the people, by the people, of the people, right? This is... This is part and parcel of what you grow up in here. Except our culture today has taken it to such a degree that freedom means embracing every whim of our desires. So if you desire this, it's yours. And if you have a desire for something that's contrary to God's word, and God forbid a Christian were to come and say, what you're doing is not right. Do you know what our world calls that today? They call that hate speech. Because they have moved so far to this concept of freedom, they fail to understand the consequences. They fail to understand that there must be boundaries. And so I am here to tell you this morning um, that you are not free. You, you are not. Everyone on earth, America and every other country, is a slave to something. 
And that's what we're going to look at this morning. I, I, I want us to open our eyes to not be confused to what governmental freedom offers. And hear me, I'm thankful. We live in a country where we're free. I am thankful for that. But I also see the danger of having that carried too far, specifically to the way that we fail to remember true freedom. And that's what we're going to look at this morning, true freedom. Uh, we're in a series called Go to Everyone. And so I, don't, I want you to uh, make sure that you're tying this together with the purpose that God has in his mission. You heard the passage out of Isaiah this morning, right? Lo- Lois read it for us. Um, this exact passage is one in Luke's gospel where Jesus enters the synagogue. And it's like a service. They're, they're having church kind of just like this. And the attendant who's in charge of the lectionary uh, hands Jesus a scroll to read. So just like Lois read for us, Jesus was the reader that particular Saturday. And Jesus stands up and he reads these words. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom. For the prisoners, the recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed, what's that word? Free. Free. This is the mission of God. This is why Jesus was sent. And, and he, uh, it's, a, it's a great story. You, you need to study it on your own. But he hands the scroll back to the attendant and he says to everybody, uh, this has now been fulfilled in your hearing today. Jesus recognizes that this passage in Isaiah is speaking about him and his ministry for why God sent him. To proclaim good news. That's evangelism, isn't it? That's what he has put all of us here for. To proclaim good news. And to set the prisoners free. Now now Jesus in the scope of his ministry is going to continue to unfold what that freedom needs to look like. And this is what our study today is going to address. It's called the gospel of freedom. We're going to find ourselves in the book of Romans chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, please turn there with me now. Uh, for, the, for the remainder of our time, we are uh, simply going to read through the passage. I have some uh, three points of observation, two conclusions, one application. So if you get lost, it's three, two, one. All right, that's where we're headed. Three points of observation, two points of uh, conclusion, and one point for application. That's page 1754 in the Pew Bibles, Romans chapter 6. Uh, you my Bible's got a funny uh, paragraph break, too. We actually need to begin in verse 14, so I don't, I don't want you to get lost if your Bible has a uh, kind of different, uh, different setup there. So here we go. Romans 6, verse 14. For sin shall not be your master, because you're not under law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin, because we're not under law, but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you are entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I put this in human terms because you're weak in your natural selves. Just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and every increasing wickedness, 
So now, offer them in slavery to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things that you're now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's an awesome passage, isn't it? Uh, I, I'm, pr- pro- I'm pretty confident here that you're probably seeing, as I, I mentioned, that you're not free. right? Every, everybody here is a slave to something. I, I'm pretty confident you're already seeing that here in the text. But before we unpack that, we've got to back up a little bit. So I want to ask you to put, put your finger here in Romans, and I want you to turn all the way back to the end of Matthew's Gospel. Matthew chapter 28. Uh, This is a passage that we looked at on our very first Sunday as we've been walking through the series on missions to go to everyone. Uh, I want to revisit it again, and I want us to see something that lays a little hidden. It's a little below the surface, and you might have missed it. So we're not going to let it uh, disappear in the words this morning. I'm going to put the spotlight right on one particular phrase of Matthew chapter 28. Page 1550 in the Pew Bibles. Right at the very end of the first gospel, Matthew chapter 28. One of the most beautiful sounds a pastor can hear is the sound of God's words pages being turned. That's beautiful. It's like music. All right, Matthew chapter 28. Look with me, starting in verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Um, You might sense me pausing. That's because I'm... Fighting the urge to preach. (laughs) There's a lot of good in that verse right there. We're going to have to save that for another day. All right. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And truly I'm with you always to the very end of the age. All right. We've heard this, right? Give me an amen if you've heard it. Okay. We've heard this. Maybe you think that the key word here is go, right? We've heard from a lot of missionaries. Uh, hopefully you've been inspired by hearing their stories of, as to how they're going. I want you to know that's not the primary command in this passage. The primary command is make disciples. Now, you can do that anywhere you go. You hear me? You can do that anywhere you go. But Jesus gives his disciples two primary ways to accomplish that task of making disciples. Um, they're written as uh, gerunds in English. That's a verb with an ing on the end of it. All right. So I want you to see if you can find them. What are the two ways that Jesus expects you to make disciples? First one here is by baptizing. Everybody see that? That'd be worth underlining, right? Baptizing them not in uh, just any old name, but a very specific doctrinal truth that God is three in one. All right. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, there, are, there are a few uh, cults and, and other fringe denominations that want to say the Trinity isn't really a thing and, and, and Jesus really isn't God. They don't know what to do with this right here. This passage right here ends the argument, right? Because you baptize in the name of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Not three gods, one God. 
One in nature, three in persons. All right, so that's part of it. You baptized them. But then there was another one. Did you see the other What comes next? Did you catch it? Teaching. Now, teaching isn't just simply standing up with a whiteboard. Now, there's going to be on a test next week. I hope you take notes. Study sessions will be Thursday. No, that's not, that's not what we're talking about here. Because you've got to carry it a little bit further. Teaching them to what? <gasps> there it is. Did you see that little word hiding? We, we, we may have missed that before. It's teaching, but it's not just teaching for head knowledge. It's teaching for life change. Teaching them to obey. I got this little, this little dog that doesn't know how to pee outside. Oh. <laughs> this is a point of sanctification in my life that God's using, but drives me nuts. So um, do you think I'm just cool with that? Am I just good with that? Go anywhere you want, little dog, right? No, I am teaching him to obey. And I'm, I'm going to find any means possible to get him to do what he's supposed to do. Because he has a purpose. And he needs to do what his purpose is. I, I hope you catch that illustration because you have a purpose. And God is not content with you saying, Oh, I love Jesus, but I'm going to continue to live my life inappropriately. In a way that is not how you should live. This word teaching is connected to life change. This is where the preacher can get a little preachy, all right? Because I start to meddle in your behavior, in your habits, in the way in which you think and conduct and act and talk. That's exactly what Jesus is telling them. You make disciples by bringing them into the body and then teaching them to change their lives so that they obey everything that Jesus has commanded. That, that's, that's the verse right there that, that we got to pay attention to because that's exactly what Paul is picking up on in Romans 6. All right, A true follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple, is not just one that goes to church. That, that will deceive you. Going to church will not get it done. A true disciple is one who says, my life is governed by the one to whom all authority is given. Do you remember that verse? The one I'm trying not to preach on, right? Verse 18. All authority belongs to him. And so you are under his command. A true disciple is one who comes into the fellowship but then learns to follow in obedience. So, okay, go back now to Romans 6 and let's look at a couple observations. Now, the first thing I want you to see this is that sin is slavery. That's number one, all right? Sin is slavery. Don't let uh, that word become G-rated for you. Slavery is an R-rated word. Slavery is, is awful in this context because it means you are taken further than you would ever want to go. The consequences are painful. I remember one time my dad was mixing up uh, some cement when I was just a little kid. He was using one of those power drills with the mixers. Anyone ever seen one of these that mix up some concrete, right? So he's, he's mixing the cement, and I kind of wanted to play with it. It looked like fun. So I reached my hand, and he said, don't touch that now. Too much power on that. So I waited till he was gone, and then I, I decided, you know, because that's what kids do. No one's looking. And then I pulled the trigger on it, and some of you guys may know where I'm going with this. What, what does that thing do to your wrist? It just whips you right around. Yeah, I should have listened. I should have touched. My, my sister's here today. You can ask her after the service. When she was little, Dad said, don't touch the stove. Don't touch the hot stove. What's the one thing she had to touch? The stove. Uh, she would watch him in the mornings uh, shaving with his razor. And, and he said, don't touch the razor. What's the one thing she had to try to do? 
shave her little three-year-old face and blood everywhere over the bathroom. I, I have another illustration of this. It's one that comes out of the book of James. Uh, James is going to be addressing people who are thinking that God's the one who's tempting me. He says, listen here, God doesn't tempt you. That's not God's business. He's not tempted, nor does he tempt anyone. But instead, each one of you is dragged away by your own evil desires to sin. Now, was Jesus tempted? Yes or no? Yes, but he didn't have evil desires. That's what we have. We are born in corruption in this world. So temptation for us is like that from last Sunday. Remember that nasty little worm on the hook? That fish really think is, whoo it's my lucky day. Look at this worm that just came out of nowhere. And what's the fish do? By his desire, he bites it. And then he's dragged away. Now, do you think that while that fish is being dragged away, he's thinking in his head, I'm in control of this situation. I got this under control. No, he's, listen here, he's a slave. He's a slave to the line. He's a slave to the fisherman. Sin is slavery. Sin will take you farther than you ever wanted to go. It will lead you to places where you never wanted to be. And you won't have a word to say over it because you're a slave. You've offered yourself to it. Everybody's a slave to something. And Paul recognizes for us here, look at verse 16. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey them as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, whether you're a slave to sin, which leads to death or obedience, which leads to righteousness. Uh, the, the reality here is that sin controls, sin takes over control, and that when you and I, in our weakness, decide no one's looking, and what harm will it do, or... Um, maybe uh, they had it coming. Whatever way in which you give yourself over to sin, understand that you're no longer in charge. You're no longer in control. You have yielded yourself to become a slave back to sin. Sin is slavery. That's the first thing I want you to see. Secondly, I want you to see this. This is worth an amen. You ready? You've been set free. Amen. amen. You have been set free. Look with me in verse 18. Paul says, you have been set free. You should underline that word, from sin. You've been set free from sin. You've become slaves to righteousness. Sin is no longer your master. Look down at verse 22. Similarly, he says, but now that you have been set free from sin, and have become slaves to God, and he gives us the benefit here. We're going to come and look at that in just a minute. I just want you to see from the text very clearly, folks, the chains have been broken. Uh, the, the prison doors are, are flung wide open, but here, here's the problem for a lot of us. Um, I, I know I've given this illustration before. Do you ever see one of those Hollywood movies where the, where the guy starts out in prison and they, they open up the fence gates and he's walking out there to get picked up by someone, right? You guys know the moment, right? You know what I'm talking about. I don't know particularly what movie has this, but imagine with me that moment where the gates are open and you, oh, you smell the fresh air, freedom again, right? Every one of you, by the blood of Jesus Christ, have had the bonds broken, the gates are open, but too many of us are sitting in the jail cell with the door open. Too many of us, having been set free, aren't living in freedom, but we're continuing to sit right there as if we're still prisoners. Church, listen to the word of God today. You are no longer a slave to sin. It has no control over you. Oh, 
Pastor Ryan, I, I, between you and me, sometimes feels like sin still has control. And the, the best way that I can articulate this for you is exactly what Paul says in Romans chapter 7. Which is that as long as you live in this body, you will still fight that battle. But in your spirit, and in your mind, and in your heart, you have been set free. Now, who, who controls the hand? Is it the kneecap that controls the hand? No. No. The, yeah, the mind. Right. The, the, this piece right here that has been renewed by God's spirit controls the rest of this. But that's where the battle lies. Your flesh is going to want to say, do this, eat this, look at this, participate in this. And your mind is going to decide, is it going to yield to the flesh? Or will it be in control? You hear me now? You've been set free. You've been set free from sin. All right, thirdly, and we have a few uh, to look at here. Therefore, you are now a slave to three things. If you've been set free from sin, you are now a slave of something else. Three things. The first is obedience. You're a slave to obedience. In verse 16, you'll see that mentioned for the first time. Uh, he says, you're slave to the one that you offer yourself to, whether that's a slave to sin that leads to death, or to obedience. You guys know what it means to obey, right? Uh, one of the ways that I uh, can kind of identify with this is I remember in school, uh, my chemistry professor would give us the task, right? You need to uh, read such and such a chapter. And I mean, it's a little bit of a pain in the butt when you're in high school to do your homework. I'm sorry, it's true, right? Because I'd rather just have a good time with my friends. I heard an amen right here from It's <laughs> um, so a little difficult, if you're being honest. It's a little difficult sometimes. But what I discovered was that the quizzes he was giving were not that hard if you did the reading. That's it. If, if you did the work, guess what? The, the, the test was no problem. And I found that I really liked getting A's. <laughs> I really liked that. When, when there were no red marks on my paper, all I had to do was obey what the teacher said. That was it. Listen, the, the same is true for you in your life. Uh, I, I hope that you prefer living under the blessing of God's love rather than the chastisement of his discipline. Which, which of those do you prefer? No red marks or all these little convictions in your heart of how you need to shape up and obey? So here's the deal. If you pursue righteousness, if you do this, if you obey, you've got nothing to fear. Part of that, even within my metaphor here, comes by doing the reading. You know where I'm going with this, right? Yeah. If you find that this manual love letter that God has left for you, it's an instructional manual, stays closed, well, you're going to find that you're going to have some difficulty. I want to encourage you. The Christian life is not easy. It takes effort. It doesn't happen by accident. The Bible says, work, show yourself to be an approved workman who can rightly handle the word of truth. On that day of judgment, it will be said to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. Now, both a servant and a workman have to put in effort. Same is true. You hear me? Say amen if you hear me. You got this? You don't got this. All right. Say amen if you, got, if you hear what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Obedience is not optional. Obedience is not if I feel like it. And to fail to be a slave to obedience is to find that you will have those little red marks on your life. Do what is right, and you'll have nothing to fear. Which brings us to my second one here. You're all slave now to righteousness as well. A slave to righteousness. Look in verse 18. 
He says, you've been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. This is repeated in verse 19. I put this in human terms because you're weak in your natural selves, just as you used to offer your parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to every increasing wickedness. So now offer them in slavery to, there it is again. Did you catch it? Slavery to righteousness. Doing right. Living right. Paul will write to the Philippians, if there's anything pure, anything holy, anything noble, anything praiseworthy, anything excellent, think about these things. Pursue those things. Guys, there's a lot of trash on Netflix. There really is. There's a lot of rubbish out there on the internet. There's a lot of circles that you can go in where people are carrying on their lives in foolishness. You're free from that. You're free from it. Don't put that as an authority over your life. You're a slave now to righteousness. To please him as a master. Which brings us to our third one. The third person that you're a slave to here is ultimately God. And you'll find this in verse 22. If you want to look there, you'll see this. But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves to... What's it say? Slaves to God. God is your master. He says the benefit you reap is holiness and the result is eternal life. So this, this moves me to my conclusion statements here. All right, I want you to pay attention to these. Uh, I'm calling them the benefits package. All right, this is what comes along with the deal. Number one is this. If you pursue sin as your master, it will lead to wickedness. That's what it will lead to. And wickedness will result in death. Verses 19 and 21 lay this out as clearly as can be. Look at 21. What benefit did you reap at the time from the things that you're now ashamed of? Those things result in death. Hey, you've been set free, church. You've been set free. This isn't where you need. This isn't where you belong. Pursuing sin's goal, which is wickedness, resulting in death. You've been promised life. This is not where you belong. I've got a better benefits package for you. Check this out. If you serve God as your master... It will lead to holiness, resulting in eternal life. This is the calling upon your life and mine. Jesus says, I've come, I have come to set the prisoners free. I've come to set you free. And he tells his disciples that as you go make disciples, you do that by baptizing and bringing them in, but by teaching them to obey. We've got to learn this. So let me, let me wrap things up here. Um, there, there's, a, there's a key issue, primary issue, and it came as I was just meditating on this passage, a verb that's repeated a couple of times, and you might have missed it. Please, please don't let me lose you at this point because I, I, want, I want you to clue in on something. There's a word that's said a few times. It's the key word here. It's the word offer. Offer. Look in verse 16. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves. Look with me again in verse 19. I put this in human terms because you're weak in your natural selves just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity, ever increasing wickedness. So now offer them. This is the Greek word peristomy. It means to present. To present for use. It means to make available. Are you making yourself available to God? Are you presenting yourself 
to God. You might even, uh, it ought not be confusing, but I'm sure we miss it. Offer, that word here that's mentioned, uh, what's usually the last part of our service? We collect the, the, the there, that's the same word. You're, you're presenting this, right? I, I want to make sure that nobody here is foolish enough to think that God cares one bit about what you put in there financially for his pleasure. You give money to worship, but money means nothing if your heart doesn't belong to God. God longs for all of you. You and I, we don't get the opportunity to live in this world and say, God, thanks for saving me. Thanks for the blood of Jesus. But I'm going to keep the paint squirt gun for myself. I'm going to keep this one part of my life for myself. This verb that's used again and again, peristomy, offer, offer to God the parts of your body, all that you are. Offer it to him. Don't offer it to sin. He is your master. And so here's the key to it. Uh, This shows up in verse 17. Uh, You can't miss this. But thanks to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed. Sorry it's in there, folks. That's in the Bible. It doesn't say half-heartedly. It would be a lot easier if it said half-heartedly. Wouldn't it? Look, being a Christian, just half-heartedly obey God. You'll be fine. doesn't say that. Wholehearted obedience. You don't get the pink squirt gun for yourself. All that you are is involved. Offer all that you are in wholehearted obedience. That, that sentence continues. To the form of teaching. This word here, form of teaching, is referencing all that we looked at already from Matthew 28. Right? Baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything. Some of our lives need transformation. Some of us are, are fooling with sin in a way that doesn't belong There's a form of behavior. There's a form of teaching that we need to follow wholeheartedly. And lastly, uh, to which you were entrusted. This is the spirit living in you. This is the word of God that's been given to you. Uh, If you were um, paying close attention uh, this morning, uh, and if you're following in your sermon notes, I want you to see how the first A, B, and C, did you see those? Obey, righteousness, and God. They're right here again. A, wholehearted obedience to obey the form of teaching, which is righteousness, and that which you have been entrusted with is mastery to God alone. So I I just want you to connect the dots there to see some continuity in our service. My question for you uh, this morning as we wrap up is, uh, can you identify anything that you're left yet to offer to God? Any part of your life that you don't quite want to give over to him. Maybe it's your time. Some of you need, need to hear me now. You say, I want to grow in knowledge. I want, I want to participate in service, but man, you don't know my schedule. I got, I got this schedule to keep. And that's like the little pink squirt gun you're keeping for yourself. Maybe it's your children. Do you remember Becca Hill here talking about how she's willing to sacrifice her children? And, and some, of, some of you are too protective, thinking, oh, it's all, it's all my shoulders. I need to protect them. I can't. What, what, if, what if something were to... Look, your kids belong to God. You put God first. Kids come second. Offer that can become an idolatry. Offer that to God. Maybe it's your mind. Yeah, pastor, I've had a long day. I need to, I need to switch it off. Switch off my mind. And my entertainment's not hurting anyone anyways. Your, your mind belongs to God. You need to offer it to him. How about your body? 
Paul says this to the Philippians in chapter 3. He says, there are many who live as enemies of the cross of Jesus Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Your body belongs to God. In our world with donut-laced bacon cheeseburgers, <laughs> we'll try to convince you that it's yours and it's not. It needs to be offered to him. Or how about money? Jesus says this in Luke 16, whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. Well, we can barely pay our bills. Again, I'm not asking for money. Neither is God. He wants your heart. But money more than anything captures people's dependence over God. Be very careful with that. It's all his, you know. Do you know that? It's all his anyways. Or how about your heart, your health, your future, your loves, what you watch, what you read, your music, your friends, your home, your possessions. You had enough preaching? Say amen. Amen. Keep going. 